Hey everybody, Randy here. Uh, Obviously we had some big news this week that uh, we are getting a tour postponement and uh, we all kind of are feeling the same way about it. But uh, just to let you guys know that this episode was recorded prior to the tour announcement. So there might be some references to the tour. I just don't want anybody to get confused or, you know, or bothered by it. Um, You know, we can't get rid of every single thing in the episode but i just if if you want to hear our statement on the on the postponement and you know just kind of what to look forward to next and maybe a little bit of silver linings we did post kind of a breaking news episode on monday night so that's on all of our platforms if you want to go and check that out uh i implore you do if if you're you know looking for something to grasp on hold on to but uh Here's the episode for today, and we'll be back next week with another episode as well, which again was recorded right in the middle of this news going on. So, um, yeah, this what was going to be a pretty big week for the band, the fans, and 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 this show is uh, that's going to be on hold for a little while. But we're still going to be here. We're still committed to doing this, and uh, hope you all are going to continue on and and enjoy the content so just trying to keep things positive and uh enjoy the show the following is brought to you with no commercial interruption what's your take on uh new album stuff i don't think i've talked to you about this yet no no one's has no one's has yeah, everybody's got to wait until uh, 2030. What, 20? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, like, it's not coming anytime soon. You have to oh, get no. All, all the Lost Dog tracks, all the Riot Act tracks. It's, that's a lot to get through before you get to Super Blood Wolf Moon. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I figure it's kind of good that way, too, because if you talk about something that has just come out, pretty much all you're going to have is just your your first impressions on it and stuff. You're not going to have, yeah. like, a context of a, a tour and stuff and who knows what kind of stuff might come out about the making of this record and stuff like that later. So it's, it's kind of good that I have some time for a, maybe a mythology or something like that to build up over it. Yeah. But, yeah. Cause you know, with like 10, there's like tons of stuff that you can talk about with, you know, even the most, you know, song that nobody cares about or something like that, just cause the album has been out for so long and, people have talked about it for so long and all that sort of stuff that, you know, if I were talking about the new stuff right now, it's kind of like, it's this, it came out this day. You're rushing. Yeah. You're rushing to get an idea out. Like I I think John and I got a couple of Patreon episodes in where we specifically talked about dance of clairvoyance and uh, super blood wolf moon and there were instant reactions. And I think I feel a lot different about dance. Yeah than I did super blood I've stayed away from because I didn't really like it at first. Mm -hmm. I said, you know what? Here's the thing. My wife was in the hospital for a couple of days and the day that she went and had surgery was the day that super blood wolf moon came out. So I was sitting in the waiting room for four hours listening to that song over and over and over and over and over again, trying to think, okay, what do I really do you, feel about this song? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trying to force myself to have an opinion on it. And I couldn't like, I, I couldn't, I wanted to like it so much more than I did. And it sort of, it, it upset me that I didn't like it 
or just wasn't feeling it like I feel other songs. And and now it's been about what three weeks since uh, they released the song. Mm-hmm. I haven't listened to it maybe in two weeks, and I'm not going to listen to it until the tour starts and I'm really following everything that's going on. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, it sounds like it'll be a good live song. So hopefully my yeah, yeah. opinion will change on that. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking more forward to right now, like the quick escapes and the whoever saids of the world, you know, what's, what's everything else like? What's, what's the yeah. deep cuts? What's the, the Matt Cameron written track on the album going to sound like, you know, yeah, there's gonna be so much stuff. Yeah, oh yeah. I'm just uh, always holding out for you know what they're gonna be some sort of B size or they're gonna be like stuff that you, you would know, think cause... after three years and a song that was supposed to be like the title track of this album two yeah, years yeah. ago uh, didn't even make the album. So are they saving it, everything it... for the theoretical fan club Stray, singles? Stray, or... Stray Cats. Yeah. <laughs> instead of lost dog stray cats i i feel like they can add all of those avocado demos the let it rides and uh uh two by four one? cold yeah. confession cold confession that was the one i was thinking yeah. of yeah um there's a lot of material and even if you want to go back and take the stuff that wasn't on lost dogs like angel and olympic platinum and and that sort of stuff you, i guess you could yeah create greedy stomp <laughs> really I, even though that was released on the redux uh well they've you know. released you know uh yellow Ledbetter and last kiss you know how many times on different compilations well sure because that's gonna sell records yeah you know both those songs it's <laughs> but nobody's really most champ- champing at the bit for uh <laughs> those olympic platinum no yeah <laughs> I, I i would love happy when i'm crying on something important mm-hmm. That would be kind of cool. Um, I don't really have much of an opinion on Olympic Platinum. Honestly, I can't even remember the last time I listened to it. So, yeah, I know it's just the and the, like the falsetto sort of. See, it's not even it's not even buzzing in my head. Like, oh yeah, that, that's what that song sounds like. It's so yeah weird and irrelevant to me. But hey, that's that's the era we're covering today. So uh, let's get to it. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Gossip. Fucking Cameron in the truck.
Hey everybody now, welcome to Live on Four Legs, the definitive live Pearl Jam podcast. And whether this is the first time, the last time, or the hundredth time, welcome to the show. What we do on every show is we take a Pearl Jam live show from their history and we break it down into pieces. We talk about the time period, the era, what was going on with the band, some of the cool things about the songs that happened, and just kind of enjoy some old bootlegs. And uh, today we are continuing our Around the World series it's going to be this the first european show that we do hungary budapest 1996 and they have not been back there since until flash forward a couple months and they will be back in the summer randy sobel here and over there we have a special guest it is not john farrar it is not chris buckley oh 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 What's that I hear? Coming down the aisle, weighing at approximately unsure of weight, but a 2XL t-shirt. He is from somewhere in the desert of Las Vegas, Nevada. He has been to near, I don't know how many Pearl Jam shows, and he has his own Pearl Jam podcast called The Better Band Podcast. I came for the party. Ladies and gentlemen, the man with the golden voice, Brandon How's Palomo. How's it going, everyone? Ah! We're going all around the world today, so I thought I'd uh, bring that with me here. And... Okay, now I think we can get started here. Yeah, let's do it. I, we, had, uh, we had to find a replacement this week. John was ill, but John's okay, everybody. Don't worry. I, I was trying to look for a re- replacement, so I went to, you know, my first option, and, <laughs> um, and the first option said, sorry, I got something to do. Then I went to the second option, and, and they didn't even respond. I went to the third, and I didn't even realize I had a third option. Then I went to uh, look at this photograph, the Nickelback official podcast, and <laughs> they said, what's a Pearl Jam? So then I ended up with Brandon, so... There we go. That's where we are today. Yeah, but, uh, batting cleanup. Yeah, that's that's what it is, right? <laughs> uh, if if you say so, I, I call it like you know the, the leavens. Well, like the it's the twelfth inning, and and we've used our whole entire bench, and now you know we need somebody to fill in for 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 the pitcher. Hot dog filler. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> what a what a sports ball concept that is. Um, it's been a little bit since you've been on the show. Uh, you were on our fantasy set list draft episode and you're going to be making an appearance next week for a special episode that we'll get into talking about in a little while, but what's been going on since then? Well, you know, we're just on pins and needles waiting for the new record and I am trying to get episodes of my podcast recorded and, uh, just trying to talk to people about Pearl Jam. So, uh, and you're basically done with Vitology right now. Almost done with Vitology. Not necessarily. Middle. I've. Uh, I, I'm going to only be able to go to every other week for a little bit, just because I, I'm running out of Vitology episodes. I there are still some songs that I'm looking for guests for. So, if uh, listeners. Hint, hint. Anybody yes. out there want to get in on this and, uh, and and talk with me after hearing this and hopefully I make a good impression and uh, <laughs> 
but you uh, always make some sort of impression. I think you already made the entrance was, you know, <laughs> if that's not an impression, I don't know what it is. But um, you you were kind of out of order this time. I, I, I noticed you had like Tremor Christ in what you know the number seven song or something. Oh like no, that. I, I haven't even recorded that yet. <laughs> so it's not that you Whoops. if you heard it somehow you've uh, traveled back in time hmm all right well um uh, sorry i ruined that concept um <laughs> hopefully no code sticks to to the track listing there but uh that should be we're recording an episode for your no code show um shortly after this so hopefully that'll be out whenever you're ready for no code Oh yeah, hopefully, hopefully I'll be able to get to them at least. Start putting those out by the end of April. I'm hoping you got all those episodes available, and and uh, and I will be anticipating all of those as as they come. But today we got a lot to talk about with our episode on the Leggy Show, and you're kind of like a guest leg, I suppose. So pseudopod as pseudopod. Um, if you're a fan of the show and you just want more content, patreon.com slash live on four legs. We have to thank a bunch of people that have joined up in the last week or two. And here they are. Their names are Dukes Wooters, Dave Jantausch, who's obviously part of Live Footsteps and will be on the show next week. He was nice enough to contribute to us, even though he does so much for us already that we can't thank him enough. But he uh, thankfully is he's. He's in on this, and he wanted to contribute a little bit to the show, and we're definitely we'll we'll share some things that we're going to be doing uh, with in in collaboration with Live Footsteps next week. And we have Clay Davis who signed up, Jared Jackson, and Jacob Chamberlain are all new patrons. So thank you everybody, and if you want to be a patron, head on over to Patreon.com/slash Lime and Four Legs. We have tons of exclusive episodes that are up, and more to come in the future. We have two tiers. The dollar tier gets you everything exclusive episode and gets a one episode that you can request to have us cover at any time uh you know it's we have lots of stuff on the horizon so it might get pushed back a little bit so you know that's why there are tears but if you want something instantly or move up into queue uh there is the giggle egg tier which is the five dollar tier so if you want to become a giggle egg gigaton patron uh, that's the leg for you and you, you get to be, you get first dibs at our things like set list drafts and fantasy drafts and, and things like that. So it's, it's just, you know, I, I, everybody's going to get the exclusive content. Everybody's going to get, get a chance to do everything. But, um, with so many people that are signed up now, we have 38 patrons that are a part of this, which is freaking awesome. We thank everybody that is a patron and who has been a part of this. Uh, I just want to thank everybody real quick that came in and and donated and uh, and picked up one of our shirts in the merch sale. We kind of at the last minute, it, you know, unfortunately something happened where it was a natural disaster caused major damage in Nashville, and uh, we were all set to donate our funds to the Australian wild, wild wildfire relief. And, you know, with everything that was going on, we felt terrible because we know that a lot of fans are really concerned that we decided to split the fundraising cost between the two funds. So we will be 
for the funds that we've raised, we will be uh, sending to Nashville and we will be sending to uh, to Australian Relief Funds. So we thank everybody for contributing with that. We have 65 people who got on board. Um, it's an unbelievable number that I would have never expected in my life. If you rock one of our shirts or hoods on, on tour and we, and we see you at, uh, you know, any of the parties that we're doing, um, we will, uh, we'll take pictures and we'll have a good time and hopefully we'll have some extra kind of stuff. We'll have stickers and, and little thank you gifts for you guys, uh, when we see you at the show and maybe we'll send you a bootleg as well. So thank you guys so much from the bottom of all of our hearts. That was something that really means a lot to us and, uh, you know, just getting represented and seeing people wearing our shirts on tour is going to be very surreal. So you know, very, very excited for all this stuff to go down. Let's get into the show. Budapest 1996. So 96 and, you know, you're starting to do your no code episodes now. It's an interesting time because it's such a transitional period within the band's history. And we haven't touched up on this year a lot. We did the Barcelona show last year, but after the Barcelona show, we kind of, we wanted to do more 2003 and uh, 1995, and we haven't gone back to 96 at all, because it's just, I don't want to say it's like a depressing time in Pearl Jam lore, but it's not the most sexiest time, because they were kind of on the downswing of coming off of a year where they were at the absolute peak of their popularity, now they're not doing Ticketmaster ven- venues where things are accessible and they have an album that really, to a lot of fans that were all in on the first three, isn't accessible. So what's the time period for you? What, 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 when you think of 96 and no code, like how do you think of Pearl Jam? It's sort of a inoculation period, I think, for them. It's they just got so big up through Vitology that they were kind of feeling their oats a little bit. It's like, hey, you know, everybody loves us. Let's take on the world. Let's take on Ticketmaster. And sort of had to take a step back after that and lick their wounds a little bit, you know, uh, through the no code period. And just sort of they weren't as out there and as visible as they as they once were. So, And that was in their own hands. That was yeah they they controlled all of that yeah it's sort sort of like uh i don't know maybe not making a mistake but sort of just sort of a little trip up and and sort of uh, growing up in the life cycle of the band is just sort of awkward adolescence here at this point and it's it's easy to have lost track of them at this point too because like right. I said, they weren't as visible and also with the album isn't as huge and as, as out there and in your face as the, the previous three. And, you know, we don't like the G word on this show very much, but the, the grunge era is, if not officially dead in 96, it is on life support yeah. at this point. Kurt's gone. Um, you know, obviously Pearl Jam coming out with no code, which is completely different than anything else they've done at this point uh it doesn't help the cause uh allison chains is in a really weird spot Soundgarden is about to break up in a year or two it's 
not in a good spot and the music that's coming out that's starting to get popular and fill the billboard charts i think 96 was when like the spice girls started and Mm -hmm. rock and roll like smashing pumpkins and melancholy and the infinite sadness a fantastic album came out in 96 but you got stuff like sublime that was popular and like that weirdly changed the game in a lot of strange ways like you know, it, it kind of it blended the hip hop and rock areas there and people were unsure of it. And then it kind of, you know, it turned from rock and roll fans, then became hip hop fans. And then a lot of, you know, then right after that, you get the Limp Biscuits and the Corns of the World. And, and it's there's a lot of it's it's dead. That kind of music is gone. It's not popular yeah. anymore. So, you know, it, it's interesting that. Ed is very appreciative of everybody during the show. He he said it a couple of times. And I wonder if he's feeling that, I guess, a little remorse that they're not necessarily as popular as they were. This is about two months since the album came out. So, you know, I, I wonder if he's just sort of seeing that people aren't interested in moving away from it. And he's, a little disappointed by that and but also thankful for all the people that did stick around yeah it you know it's probably hard to go from not necessarily because of money or anything like that but maybe like a little hit of your ego where it's kind of like oh we used to sell out you know huge theaters and you know amphitheaters whatever and then we got to play these weird-ish sort of venues that people aren't sure about how to get tickets for. And, you know, I'm pretty sure they sold everything out, especially in uh, in Europe where they're not able to uh, uh, go all the time. And people are, are hungry for them, so they'll, of course, go. But it's sort of like, ah, you know. Is that a pun? Uh, well, you know, uh, damn it, no. <laughs> so I had a pun <laughs> ready to go, but we haven't gotten to that point yet. I'm going hungry. <laughs> yeah, I did tweet that this week. <laughs> My bad. Yeah, that's a, that's all right. If, as long as you're doing it too, then I know that uh, I'm not going to get uh, uh, summarily uh, chastised for my own uh, puns. I, I think the one emphasis that I think is really important to sort of show is that the differences between Vitalogy and no code is Vitalogy is somebody that needs to be in therapy and no code is somebody that's been through therapy. Mm -hmm. If that's, you know, the best way to kind of define it, it's sort of a reckon, a recognition of oneself and sort of still figuring it out and still realizing that that growth is an option that you don't need to be, angry all the time so let's uh let's kick off the show one thing i do want to mention before the show we get a sound check of a song that has been written but not recorded yet and that song is mfc Mm -hmm. and we don't have a sound check of it but we do know that ed wrote it in italy and they were in milan on the 13th and this show was on the 17th so this was like right after so ed is obsessed with this song and there's a show that he did solo in rome in december you know a couple weeks after this and he says to the crowd this is my favorite song that i've written so far (laughs) 
And so he's really, he's like, they're again, kind of with the way that Vitalogy and, and verses went where Vitalogy songs bled into the verses era. This is sort of the way that yield gets blended into the no code era is that MFC gets written while on this tour. So I think that's, that's a cool facet of that. We start off the set list with something that always pretty much gets kicked off in the no code era. And it's very, I don't want to call it chalky because the album obviously opens with it, but it's, it's, it's the obvious opener and it's sometimes and the differences there between how sometimes is played now and sometimes is played then, you know, the very, very much the song tiptoes in and gets to a slow kind of build and then builds up and, and you know how in the song there's that like wave crashing sound effect in the middle. Mm -hmm. They do use something like that in this, which I find to be very interesting. Yeah, it's it, it has a and, and the build up too at the end sort of forgets like oh yeah you can kind of open these songs up a little bit more live than when you're trying to set it in stone I guess on a on a record too where you can you have a little bit more life uh, uh, infused into it. Yeah, what 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 I recognize because you know we're doing sometimes for for your show. And doing my research for, for, for the song, I sort of forgot that it ended with such a, just, I don't want to call it bland, but such a light finish. It, it was it was very delicate going into Hail Hail. And live, especially nowadays when, when they perform sometimes live, you can get a really strong finish on it. You can get a really high-pitched chorus at the end where he's doing the sometimes I do this and sometimes I do that. Uh, and... On the album, it's just they didn't really progress to get harder at all. It just got kind of softer and faded out. So yeah, that 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 is a very fair point. But but that ending transition gets us into a nice little section here, which is a very common section for the time: a corduroy into hell, hell into animal into dissident. Um, I love this corduroy. Ed's figuring out at this point how to use his voice where he's not going to blow it out for the entire show and blow it out for the rest of his life. And the way he's utilizing his voice in some of these songs is very interesting because it does feel like he's he's stretching the way he did in the Vitalogy era, but he's not straining. Yeah, I, I, they at this early point in the in the set, it sounds. I don't know if it's if it's just because they started off slow, but they sound a little tired or just lacking some energy. And you know, I do get that. Yeah, yeah. And and hearing the the bootleg and stuff like that, he doesn't mention being sick or anything like that. But I, I think it's just sort of this is the uh, what the fourteenth of nineteen European dates that they did. What uh, they've done, you know, it's they'll Budapest, end up. So it's kind of a it's a weird place. Like is Budapest. I, I don't know too much about Budapest or Hungary. So I, I just know they haven't been back there since. Yeah. So is that, are they thinking, you know, this is just another European country. And while 
going through Europe and and traveling through Europe is incredible. Are they thinking to themselves, man, we are, it's been like two months of this. Yeah. We are pretty tired and uh, it, it is just kind of another show. I don't, I have no idea. Yeah. And then and, and before this, uh, when they started the tour, it looks like they did uh, 14 tour dates in the United States before they yep. left. Your Randall's and, Island and, you know, the Toronto show and uh, there was a Maryland show somewhere in there that I think one of our listeners has mentioned at some point. I, I get where you're coming from that the energy is different. It's not necessarily lacking. It's just, I think it's just maybe Jack's influence and how he's a little bit more subtle than Dave A. Yeah. Could that be it? Yeah, I think I, th- I think so. And, and then... Um... You know, Ed does sound really sort of raspy, like he's been pushing his voice in Hail, Hail and Dissident, mm-hmm. where it's kind of like, ah, you know, you don't really sing like that on those songs on the record or something like that. I don't know if it's just just trying something new or, like I said, just getting tired, uh, getting his voice tired or something like that. But then I think uh, somewhere around Animal... After Animal, I think they their their energy does start to pick up a little bit. I think they just yeah. needed to to shake off the the dust of sometimes. I feel that. I think this was a really strong show for both Jack and Mike, uh, especially this era. I mean, it's easy to say a good show for Mike is a good show for Mike, but the solo on Corduroy was fantastic. I really loved what they were doing with that. And then one of the things I just noticed on Dissident was that Jack had such a different vibe to it that it mm-hmm. grooved so much different like dissident was very just symbol heavy with dave and i guess like straight up you know kept like a straight up rock and roll pace but like he brought a just a different vibe to dissident that i, I when listening to it I'm, I'm like this doesn't sound like it sounded like it was on the recording what to say what to say John says it all the time. Jack, you know, does the little things, the way he times things up and the way that he hits uh, is just so unique. And, and I don't know, Dissident is one of those songs that to me, versions don't necessarily stand out amongst others but this one really popped in 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 my ears yeah especially when you have some of these more standard songs that you'll get all the time and stuff hearing jack play on them is is sort of like a a little treat and sort of like oh wow cool right yeah A a little taste of something different than you know what you've had with matt cameron through or yeah matt cameron throughout this whole time and then you know you have the couple of real standout bootlegs from the uh the Dave A period and you know Jack kind of doesn't have too much at least right there in your face that's being pushed out as far as uh, uh Pearl Jam bootlegs we get into a song that really is a Jack song here when you think of Jack era's songs who you are is really a, a, a defining song in if you want to say the personality of no code being that sort of Zen, that uh, idea of, you know, recognizing oneself and coming to terms with it, who you are is that song and it's the number one single. So they, that's anybody that puts out a number one single knows 
that that's defining what you want people to think of your album. It's it, it's I don't know about setting the table for what the whole album is going to be, but it's at least it's a sort of hey, this is a hint. This isn't the same thing that we have been doing this whole time. It's a little bit different. We're going to kind of explore a little bit, and so you know, this is a, a portent of things to come. But it's it's really good to hear who you are. And 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 Jack play it too after you know since after this tour they pretty much abandon it until they pick up a little bit in uh in two thousand eight and bring it out every once in a while but it's nice to hear sort of oh yeah I remember this song yeah this is a nice little uh, bit of nostalgia I guess right yeah I, I feel like Matt Cameron doesn't necessarily do it the justice that Jack did because obviously you know part of his writing and part of his uh, uh, participation with the song is what makes the song what it is it's really his kind of personality and the bridge in this version just powerful and energetic supposed to fill the atmosphere and it just does a wonderful job doing it here and it, it's a it's a treat to to hear it when it's kind of at its peak and then there's a, a a debut right we got a debut here ed says that this one you might not have heard before but there are people traveling to every show and we want to give them something special and again that goes to what i was saying before that ed's really appreciative of everybody's support of the band at this time because there might be a lack of enthusiasm about the new album so the people that do stick around he's uh he's cherishing very much and and that's where we get the debut of black red yellow exponentially serving perpetually unnerving This is the first out of seven performances, which is insane. And for a place like Budapest, hint, hint, if you're going to Budapest this year, maybe they pull it back in because a little, yeah, a little tie in to, to their history. You know, they like to do that sometimes. So they tagged it in Augusta, Maine earlier 1996 the only time they played in maine and i only know that because my sister-in-law lives in maine and and i had to, <laughs> i had to 
tell her that no, Pearl Jam does not go to Maine. They they go to Boston. Uh, but she was wondering if if they had ever played there, and that was the one. Um, but it seems like they kind of got to figure it out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, there's there's some you know there's some stretches of of difficulty here, and you hear like the chords in the beginning. They're sort of playing around with it, and there's a really good jammy bridge in, in before the last chorus there, which I think is longer than the Lost Dogs recorded track, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't know. I prefer the uh, the Hail Hail single version to the uh, to the Lost Dogs, right? It's just because I that's the that's the version that I've I've heard the most because I you know that single came out. It's like oh I gotta get it I gotta hear it. it's a new song of course a new song I gotta pay you know twelve bucks for this uh, import CD or however much it was. So was that out at this time? Do, like obviously if people get the the Hell House, I would think that they would have released their second single by November, right? Uh, yeah, they should have. Um, online people have been saying that all three of their singles from No Code uh, had come out in the year 2000, uh, or not 2000, uh, 96. 2096. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and especially since this was, uh, I, I think, only released um, on CD. And it was only released uh, in Europe, I believe, in Japan that they probably did hear it, but they don't. the The audience doesn't really seem to know what's going on or seem that into it, right? When and they play it, this is obviously before the advent of Napster and music downloading, and uh, I'm sure early bootleggers in 96 are probably seeking this one out and overall like ed's very strong back and forth heavy vocals on this good performance for the first time ever and yeah. essentially never never gonna really do it that much i think they did it what two more times that year and then very sparingly throughout the rest of their career yeah. so you know we've covered it once this is number two and now we have five five more opportunities to talk about it so we'll uh We'll see if they ever pop up again. Gotta collect but, them all. Well, you know, it's it's funny. I, I mentioned that bridge that they were doing uh, before the last chorus, and it felt very much like a rearview mirror type bridge where they just kind of kept going and, and doing a little bit of experimenting here. And mm. this rearview mirror that follows up on Black, Red, Yellow doesn't have a bridge at all. It's like they, oh, yeah. they abandoned that concept for this version, like right after... Uh, they do the last verse uh, they go pretty much into the baseline and, and finish the song, which I, I, I don't think I've really heard on this before. Yeah. And that, you know, isn't longer than, you know, seven minutes or something like that. Too. It's exactly right. No experimenting. It's just very straight up. It's probably, I didn't really see how many minutes it was. I, I don't have it up at the moment, but it's what, maybe sub four. Yeah, it's it's probably like I think around like five minutes or so. Yeah, they so. they they it, it goes on a little bit I think more uh, at the end, but the bridge in the middle is just pretty much straightforward. Yeah, Ed's Ed's vocals very good on this. Again, you said it before. He you know he kind of uh, he peaked at some points in the show, and I, f I feel like he's really full throttle and getting in, in insane at the last measures of the song. And there's really 
pretty much no bad rear view mirrors ever. So that that's kind of coming on this show and saying that there's a bad rear rear view mirror. You're, you're, you're gone. You're, you're, you're done. You're toast. I don't think anybody has, and I know that you won't. So, <laughs> well, maybe you won't. You haven't yet. There's still time. Well, we'll see. So after the song, Ed is kind of heard in the background and there is a set list, a written set list of this, and you can kind of see in between Rearview Mirror and Habit, there's a little fill-in where it says Better Man in very, very small writing. But you can hear Ed audibly say Better Man or Small Town, and it seems like yeah. neither were on the set list. So kind of cool. It's an on-the-fly change, and I don't think they're known for really doing this at the time. Yeah, the the... It's it you know it's calling an audible. You gotta sometimes see just kind of the 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 energy of the, the audience. Flow, and, yeah, yeah, and I, I think after coming out from black, red, and yellow and seeing that that, that was kind of like a misstep, it's kind of like ah oh, okay. I think we got to kind of get him back and and give him give him a sing along. Yeah, yeah, right. Because rearview mirror is good for that, but you need to habit habits not that. Habit yeah. <laughs> is habits a, a circle pit kind of song. So give them a song that's a palate cleanser to go into habit and to start, you know, a, a section. Well, not even a section, just a song because off he goes after habit is really going back to that. So it's it's more balancing back and forth, I suppose. So they they mm-hmm. decide to do uh, a poppy version of Better Man instead of Small Town here, which I think was probably the better choice for this time period. Yeah. Jack has a little bit more influence in the beginning of the song, kind of mm-hmm. a little bit like the early versions, the the Atlanta 94 version, the Slims version, where you kind of get that a little bit of a beat behind what Eddie is doing, but it's very subtle. Mm-hmm. It sounds for better man. It sounds different compared to what you get you know, onward and forward. Yeah. Especially towards the end where they kind of don't meander and sort of like, okay, what is the tag going to be this time? What are you, no tags, right? What are we going to do? It's just sort of pretty straightforward and sort of, Oh, okay. Lean, Lean and mean. But also for the ninth song in, I, I wouldn't want them to linger i would kind of want because you expect better man it's a pop song it's it's a three to four minute song you know you get that and at the end you're done singing anyway uh because they kind of linger a little bit you don't want this middle of the set part to have just some random you know back and forth call and response that that's sort of a later in the set type thing so i think i think it makes sense yeah and they're they're pretty much halfway through the first set too. So you're kind of like, okay, now this is, this is the spot where hopefully you've established yourself in, in the, in the concert and the running order and everything like that. And you gotta, this is where we're, we're, we're starting the, the, uh, the approach to, to, to stick the landing for the, uh, the end of the first set. So, you know, we've reached cruising altitude. and Now we gotta, we gotta point into the direction that we're going. Exactly. And that kind of, uh, that gets us in the habit and the section is habit off. He goes even flow, um, habit. You get a little speaking as a normal human being determined just to see the year 2000. 
instead of a child of the 90s or child of the 70s. Yeah, which is, it's, it's closer to the printed lyrics for it that, uh, that are out there than what appears on the record and, uh, and, you know, being whatever else he's going to improv fit in there from time to time, whatever he decides to, to, to say. Yeah. Just a strong effort in habit, um, ending. Yeah. Jack really, really, really gets into it too at the end too. Speaking as just a normal human being determined to see the year 2000. Because you kind of you change a little bit of a direction with Better Man, and if you know that, uh, here's the one thing I would have changed is I probably would have pushed off. He goes down to after daughter or before daughter, because mm-hmm. don't you want the momentum to swing upwards and even and and I get off he goes into even flow can do that, but habit into even flow gets you like even more energy yeah you know i i would have rather had that especially because we had better man just kind of added in between the two uh you know they're still you know young in their just kind of changing set list off the fly ideas here so i'm sure that they aren't thinking in the middle of a set like well this goes here and now this goes here and now this go-. no they're they're thinking okay let's let's make this change and keep playing so we can get all of our songs in that we have to yeah you know so it's it's probably not on the forefront front of their minds but it's you know it does set a good balance but i i just this oh boy this this even flow is just it's it's a machine gun Mm-hmm. It is. It's not a long solo. It's not there for a long time. It's there for a damn good time. It is soul crushing. That's what I said before about McCready just having one of those shows where he's just absolutely on fire. This is this is one. This was this was special. This was great. 
and it's another instance, I think, too, of, of the little Jack flourishes that you get in there that you kind of forget about sure. that he, he had in there. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, we're so used to even flows with Matt and how it's just at very, very much that Lamborghini pace where you're going, you know, 120 on the expressway and you're flying by. Uh, this one is sort of a, a local a local town cruise where you're going 80 in a local zone and nobody's nobody's uh nobody's bothering you about it but you're still enjoying your time you know what i'm saying yeah uh ed says here for the army guys out there you'll you'll get the joke uh glorified g and this was the one that i kind of teased before where this is the last appearance of this song until yeah. april 2003 so uh, after this version, 188 shows would go by where they wouldn't touch the song, and I can you can kind of tell in the version it's it's dying out a little bit. It's their enthusiasm, and I think there's a show in San Diego in '95 where Ed says glorified version of "I hate this song." So, <laughs> so why why even do it after that? They only played it three times on this tour. I get it that they don't really like it, but why why didn't they just get rid of it earlier. I'm going to guess that this is a song that either Mike or Stone likes cuz you know Mike has a a cool little riff in there and and Stone mm-hmm. gets to sing some backup, but it doesn't seem to be cool about this song. Yeah, well they're they're at the part now in their catalog where it's like okay, we have four albums worth of stuff and we also have a pretty good collection of B-sides and covers and stuff like that. So that some of them we can they be like more a little than the bit more stuff selective than we did in 10 in vitology or 10 in versus times where you know we got to play all the songs we know because you know that's that's all we have where this they can kind of be like okay this song doesn't really work that good live this was an album track so we can just kind of let it fester and collect dust or whatever and we'll bust it out for special occasions when people will be like oh wow they haven't played in so long is it that good of a song ah not really, but it's cool to hear it because we haven't heard it in so long. Right. Okay. I'll right. Give you that. If if you're if you love leash performances in 2020, then you're just nostalgic because mm-hmm. he's singing Lucky Face. Come on, it's not the same. It's not your father's leash. It's it's yeah. it's meant for. He doesn't want to curse throughout the whole entire song because he knows there's children in the crowd. It's very PG of a song that was very much the opposite in its heyday. So it's one of their lesser important songs, Glorified G. It has a good message, but yeah. grand scheme of things, you're not thinking Glorified G. Oh, man, that really cemented the band's legacy at all. No, it's, yeah. it, it is what it is, and it's on it's on an album where there's at least nine or ten songs that are better than it. So after, after the G song, Daughter comes up and... Uh, as usual, it's all about the tag and the jam on the tag. It gets completely quiet sort of after they finish the chorus, the final chorus of the song. This is um this is a special, like an especially good daughter tag. It has excellent call and response that doesn't feel force fed at all. It's organic and Ed gets progressively more passionate and more angrier as it goes and starts screaming and it just feels 
like he's feeding off of everybody else's reaction. Everybody else gets louder as Ed gets louder. okay line to finish from uh from sonic youth this was this was really good this might be one of the best things from this show you get daughter tag sometimes and it's we don't need no education yeah we get it you know we won the lottery okay we get it like it's kind of the same thing and this is just it feels so much different than the normal sort of canned tag that sort of takes an extra three or four minutes out of a pearl jam show yeah but it's the the audience has the full buy-in i think at that point where they might have had not the Mm -hmm. strongest of starts but i think the audience is kind of like okay you know we're 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 here we're glad we're here you know this is this is really they're they're giving us some some real uh choice stuff jeremy state of love and trust the set is really flowing very well at this point kind of going in from you know poppy songs to you know very uh, a hit and then you know one of their very much their fan favorite songs that was really in a peak at this time jack sounding really good on state for these songs and you know following hits with hits never a bad thing but there are enough deep, deep cuts to to sort of spread the wealth and and state you know fill in that gap right there uh, i f- i felt very much very much in favor of of the placement for both of these yeah the the, jeremy you can hear the crowd at least in the version that i had they're like oh yeah here we go yeah oh yeah at this point when when you get the european crowd very early on the hits are what they know because they have different releases out there and i don't know how accessible the uh the albums are to them but jeremy is all over the freaking place yeah even in 1996 because 
it's the only music video that really is to their name. So where are people really getting their music at the time? M- MTV Europe, I suppose. Yeah. This is probably the one for the locals and the people that aren't following them around that, that just wanted to go see a show that happened to be in Budapest. This is the one that they're getting excited for. So, yeah, very, very much so. We follow up with Immortality and another that's going to probably fall into my top three on this show. Early version, arpeggiated early version, that very mild beat behind the arpeggio. And and Jack is just really settling into it and just building into something. And it doesn't, you know, you get ominous versions, but this sort of blossoms like a flower in, in, in May. How many times am I going to say that Immortality is one of my favorite Pearl Champ songs of all time? But when I hear these versions and you get lost in the ending and how just the drums absolutely bring the house down and Mike is just putting on a, a show, working so beautifully in tandem with Jack, it's um, this was a moment. This was this was very special to come this close to the end of the set and have this. Yeah, it's still kind of, I think, early in their playing of Immortality 2 where Ed will have that little bit of mess around playing yeah. with the with the beginning of it where it's kind of like, ooh, is this I a don't new know. song? Or... Yeah, I don't know an earlier version of the arpeggiated. If you if you know, live on Phone Lights Podcast at gmail.com. Email drop right there. Need to do that more often, you guys. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, I can't think of maybe they did it a couple times in '95, but as far as I can I can recall, this is as early as I can think. And I'm sure I'm going to get a message from Bagel being like, <laughs> "Well, U- Utah '95 was was this," and Ed sort of, you know, it wasn't the full orbit, you know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, just playing around and doing something different, and, and of course now it's kind of a standard into the song yeah. and the the way i i kind of figured the song out live was i i hadn't seen it till until my 10th show and i didn't know what was coming because i only listened to the stuff that i had bootlegged yeah. for so i had never heard a version of immortality live before the first time i saw it so when they do the arpeggio i'm like yeah what is this is this like i don't know is this the, just an improv or something? And then they, you know, they do the full dum 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 dum, and like you get that full surprise reaction that first time when you really feel that. That's a damn special moment. I really, really enjoy that. Yeah, it's a real sort of the hair on the back of your neck 
sort of stands up when you yes. when you realize that when you get that for the first time. It could also be um, an influence from MFC too, having written it around hmm. this time because of the sort of just picking. You could have just been, you know, playing around a lot with arpeggios and stuff like that. So maybe that's yeah. why busts it starts busting it out around here. Yeah, that's not a bad point at all. Yeah, because that's it's very much an Ed kind of figuring it out vibe that he he kind of has these songs where it's you know sort of in the can of rearview mirror too where it's just kind of ongoing uh pacing arpeggiated um balances there and um he loves he loves doing that and i guess it just it, it's his style and it works mm-hmm. it, you got a point we end the set with alive and what can we say alive is a great set ender and uh, I think in 96, it doesn't sound as good as it once did. This is not like a Jack song that really sticks out as much as other songs. This is, you know, this is a rock and roll arena song. He doesn't necessarily flourish on the major arena songs mm-hmm. as much. But um, I, I, that doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that 96... You know, songs like Alive and maybe Porch to an extent sort of get a little bit shafted in the just the excitement and performance wise. Yeah. And and, and I think they kind of know it's like, okay, this is the last song of the set. Let's, you know, we got to figure out what we're uh, what we're going to do for the encore or whatever. Well, (laughs) speaking of that. In the encore, do you want to tease people as to one of your picks for for your fantasy <laughs> team? Here you go. Well, you see. It, it wasn't your number two pick. No, it wasn't. We'll leave, we'll leave that, but it, it was, it was kind of high. Yeah, it's just the sort of uh, thinking about uh, 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 Stone playing bass. Giving Ed's voice a rest. Yeah. And having fun, you're just sort of, hey, this is a song from the new album, and I there was quite a lot, at least in the in the bootleg I heard of of people singing along to it. It could have been the person that was actually doing the recording or somebody by him, but it it sounded like people were singing along to it. I know, I know you want your Eddie, but right now you got your me. Stone's gonna sing a song for you. Enjoy. I taught him everything. Stone just has this energy where you know he's uh, 
he he brings he brings all his milkshake brings <laughs> all the fans to the yard. It's it's better than everybody else's, and Ed probably just kind of shakes his tambourine and agrees. <laughs> he's just into it some versions when they do it nowadays stone is just kind of like oh we really have to do it it's sort of like almost an embarrassment <laughs> that they're doing it you know he's just like just let me be let me let me play black and songs that i'm known for better songs that i've written not about ovaltine <laughs> um and this you know they get sloppy sometimes and and this this ending got a little sloppy but it's more powerful and energetic than versions that I've heard in recent, you know, in recent memory. Yeah. Ed actually sings a, a few bars of Young Man Blues. sound and jam i wasn't expecting it because going through and looking at the just the set list and the paper set list there you think okay it's just kind of a tag and it's more than than i thought that they would do on it and just has a really cool vibe yeah it's almost like half the song before they start in a into lucan yeah yeah i i'm i'll be honest i i don't know this who song too well i really don't and it's the first time that we've really talked about it on our our show i should have dug into it a little more but um yeah uh, i'm i'm into it i'm i'm in this this sounded really good it doesn't really i know they did it as some tags and teases uh back in this era but it's not something they do nowadays so we'll we'll get the full song i'm sure at some point but for now that little teaser tag there is uh is pretty cool and not something that you're you're going to hear too often that we're going to cover. But Luke and I got shit. Um, it's fast Lugan as opposed to faster Lugan, I suppose. And great and line. pretty much all the lyrics, too. Got to mention that. Yep. When when he gets <laughs> it right, you got to give him credit. He, he was trying at that point. Nowadays, yeah. it's <laughs> just, I found my keys and then I da 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 and that's it and that's it and that's done i got shit i love the line change i'm not eddie and you're looking at me that's that's such a Mm -hmm. great change and and ed goes third person in songs 
infrequently, but, you know, blood, uh, you know, painted big, uh, turned that into, uh, does it in not for you. Does it in, there's one other song that I can think of that he does it in. I think it's either on Vitalogy or Versus. Remember? Yeah, I don't got it. Yeah, blank. <laughs> springing this one on me. I was thinking the same thing. It's like, oh, crap, which one is it? Yeah, I'm like, blood, not for you. And then there's another, is it whipping? It's Possibly. Like, it's not corduroy. It's one that, you know, he's complaining about something that people don't like him, essentially. Yeah. Ed says, we're going to play one more that you have to listen to, and then it's a free-for-all until the end, and that's present tense, with tons of delay in the beginning and a much slower beginning, a lot closer to the album beats per minute. Uh, A version like this would sound really good in any live setting nowadays, but um, bootlegs, listening to a slow version of present tense, I have a little bit of a tougher time feeling the feeling out process i'm like okay you can spend your yeah yes you can spend your time come on finish up let's get to (laughs) and it just um it doesn't really pick up until the bridge but i think if i heard it live i would have been all in on something like this but hearing it back on a bootleg it's the expectations of just getting that thunderous it doesn't it doesn't bring that to the table as much in this yeah and i think they try to you know they they naturally try to speed it up in the in the heavier sort of parts and i think it's it's kind of like a little more okay we can't lose him here we gotta right kind of keep it a little off uh, up even though you know we're these are all you know the last couple of songs are real sort of uh kick you in the face songs right and that kind of goes back to the jack points is that this is this is a jack song when you get matt on the song you want to be in high gear for when matt really has to kick in and really kickstart everybody else so they need to go faster it's not they're they're fitting the song for him instead of him fitting into the song and that's sort of I guess developed over time became that way. But in here, they, they know that they have more of a, the song is a slower edge pace to it. It's a slower groove. And, and I don't, I honestly don't know if, if I were a fan of the band in 96 and like, you know, your age and, and older than, than I am. Cause you got probably, hey now. you well. probably <laughs> have seven or eight years on me. And that's, you know, that's generous, I suppose. Uh, but I probably wouldn't have liked present tense in 96. Oh, really? Not as much as I do now, because I know, no, okay. because I know the live, ver- like the live version is what helped me love this song. Okay. It's not that I didn't love this song when I heard it on the album. It's just that I it's it's late on the album. You sort of you get lost in the in my trees and off he goes and and those sort of songs that that are earlier that have that sort of self therapeutic vibe to them. I I think this is this is an example of where a live song can make you appreciate the album song so much more. Yeah, you, this this is a song that's more prone to the sort of soaring qualities yes. 
that they get in in some of these anthemic sort of songs at this point. Right, right. And it, it on the album, it works to an extent, and I think they really perfected it when it's gotten to stuff like Given a Fly. They figured out how mm-hmm. to make that really soar into the atmosphere and feel like you're a part of of a scene. And I, th- I think it works in present tense, but it doesn't, it doesn't reach that plateau just yet. But when you hear it live, you're like, okay, I see, I see where they were trying to go with the song. This is fantastic. So once leaving here, porch is how he ended. Once was fine. Great song for Jack. Uh, Ed teases up leaving here and said, this is one we don't write. Uh, and it was recorded in 63, not by the who, but he invites the, the fastbacks on stage to perform it with him. And, he can never get the leaving here chords right in the beginning. He's always trying to figure them out. And I don't know if that's on purpose, if that's like a little nod to how the who sound like the garage demo kind of version of this song sounds, but he's always just fiddling. Dun, 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 dun. Fastback is a wonderful thing. This uh, this this is a good version of leaving here. I was a big fan. Yeah, this is um, w- right around the time I think that I can't remember if the Home Alive CD had come out yet. Yes, but this is oh okay. So yeah, this is you know I, they had to bust it out. They've been playing it so. And I only know that, and I think it was early '96. I, and correct me if I'm wrong on that. Uh, you. You can go out and Google and then antagonize me if you have to on this one. But I believe in 95, they played it in San Jose and mentioned that this is one that is going to be on that home live. And, you know, pretty recent, like if not right after that, then maybe six months. So it could be March, April, something of 96, but it, it was definitely before this this tour had started. Yeah. So era yeah, era wise. Like, uh, yeah, right at the be- right at the beginning of ninety six it came out. Perfect. Nobody's nobody's killing me. I'm right with correct with my information. <laughs> Fan freaking tastic. We end the show with porch and we get a little bit of a tag from the Beatles. Happiness is warm gun, bang bang, shoot, shoot. Back on my seat, I'm going down. 
No shenanigans, to my knowledge, of reading reports in this of, you know, Ed trying, like like we talked about last week, jumping off a freaking amplifier and pretending like he's dead. He's not <laughs> doing that stuff in 96 per se. He does it at Randall's Island. He duct tapes himself and then jumps into the crowd. But um, that's, that is a different beast of a show. Uh, than than Budapest is, but he's very thankful for the crowd and says very many thank yous, and that's how he says goodbye, and that's how this show ends. It's um it's a little under two hours, and the encore kind of fits into a half hour mold, which you think, you know, present tense a long song, porch can be long, um a couple of those other songs, I got shit can be a little lengthy sometimes, but they get doing a math seven songs here in an encore that's just a little over a half hour that's pretty that's pretty solid that's so you got lucan in there so that kind of sure uh, shifts of the average of course that's 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 what i love when looking at first sets and seeing that wow they played 20 songs in the first set and two of them were lucan and setting forth <laughs> they really didn't count it's really an 18 song set when they do that yeah but it it looks really good on paper so let's uh let's decide here you can go first what are your top three moments from this show uh my top three i don't know if i have an order to them just you don't a, have to. Uh, okay well, let, good. Uh, let them come see. to you yeah um, uh, even though it's a little shaky, I think, uh, the live debut of black, red, yellow is something for the, uh, the collectors, just uh, an oddity, even though it may not have been appreciated, I think at the, at the concert. And even though if you were there, you probably wouldn't have been as like, ah, but oh, cool. It's a song we've never heard of, but, but in retrospect, also the not, serious collector thing you know, in retrospect nailing is it. important. Yeah, so there, there's that. There's, um, like I said, the, the ending of Habit for me, too, is a real sort of, you know, the, the wheels coming off of the uh, car, truck. I don't know what wheels come off of, but j- just the way that Jack really sort of is hammering it home and you, you sort of... I'd say the bus on this one. Wheels off the bus? Go round and round? Go round and round, yeah. Uh, all over town as the wheels are flying off hey you know your nursery rhymes man (laughs) i got a i got a five-year-old so that's right in your wheelhouse yeah um let's see and i'd have to say i'm looking at the set list i think that a nice tight rear view mirror i think is is a kind of uh a nice change of pace i think hearing it like that and is sort of surprising, especially given the historical context to where we are now, where, you know, you have rear view mirror being epic and this is like a real sort of to the point 
it's good to kind of have those long sort of jams and it's kind of like, oh yeah, let's get spacey, let's do it, man. But then again, but then you get something... yeah, you get something that is different than that, and and it perks your ear because you're just like, that, that's my 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 point. Going back with daughter, that you get a generic. Uh, another brick in the wall WMA it's okay tag that they always do and you get something a little different you're like oh I was expecting the long bridge inst- instead of just very tight and then going into a really strong final course yeah so I get where you're coming from that's without was I stealing your words from your mouth there no you were uh, you were helping me out there okay all right <laughs> and it was a parallel parallel thought I think it was yeah it's the excellent and the spirit of the conversation. So I'll start out since I don't really, I, I pretty much explained that I'll start out with one of my top three moments being the daughter tag. Uh, again, self-explanatory there because different, not what I was expecting, not what you expect in a recent version of daughter, which you have to think sometimes is, is part of the game here. But um, the, just the passion coming out of Eddie's voice and everybody really, really feeling one of their hits at the time. Uh, just fantastic version. And I sort of bury the actual song on this, but very good version of Daughter in itself. Uh, Who You Are, I thought was a, a really good standout on this oh, show. Yeah. Just yeah. because Jack... Uh, and the groove with it, and um, you know, you get more energy from a song like this that doesn't feel like it should have energy. So it it, it definitely stands out um, as opposed to versions that you would get seldom in this time. And then uh, Im- immortality is probably my number one on this. Uh, the I love the arpeggiated intro. I love the finish, and I love the vibe, and you know. The, the last song before a set ender to kind of, you know, get you pumped and excited that build at the end to get you into a live is, is just a perfect way to construct the set. So very, you know, I think we had uh, six choices overall that were very good and standouts of the show. And now uh, we get to rate. So what's uh, out of 10? What, where would you put this? I, the, like I said, the kind of energy was a little lacking there in the beginning. Um, you have some good, um, uh, rare, rarer sort of stuff, even though for the most part, there's a lot of, you can look at like stats and stuff on that. And they played like a lot of these songs, um, throughout the tour or on, on the, on the other shows and stuff like that. Um, I would say probably a seven, it's 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 pretty good, but it's not a real sort of classic sort of show. I think. Yeah, when when it comes to the overall Pearl Jam lore and category, like they're not going to release this as a vault anytime soon. Yeah, if they're going to release a vault, it it sure as hell should be Berlin um, from this era. But like, I think this is. This is somewhat of of a, of a gem in this time that if somebody is looking for something to listen to on YouTube that is a little bit different, a little bit unique, and from an era that kind of goes untalked about and, and untouched a little bit in 1996, uh, I liked it. I really did. I, I really enjoyed I I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed some of the energy in it. It's a different crowd, and there's not a lot of 
conversation going on between Ed and the crowd. It's just going straight through and playing and, uh, you know, you have your jammy moments, you have your passionate moments. Um, I, I think for a 96 show, this is, this is really superb. Uh, I'm going to go and give it an 8.5. Cause Ooh. I did. Yeah. Cause I did. I, I think the things that I really liked in the show are things that I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember, this version of daughter, this version of immortality, yeah. this version of you, who you are like though, when I think, and, and no, this is not a show that's ridiculously high on my list to recommend to people. It's, it's top middle maybe. And maybe one to be like, Oh, if you've never listened to something from 96, definitely. But I think this was better than the Barcelona show from 96, which gets a lot of uh, attention mainly yeah. just because of the the sound check. But that was the last one we did in February or January of last year. And I remember the, the comparison that we made for that show was it's kind of like your third best pizza place in in <laughs> town where it's it's decent. It, it It's not bad pizza at all, but and it's a good alternative. And it's really based off of if you're around that location Sure, I'll go to that spot, and I won't mind it at all. But is it your number one choice? Not necessarily. I think that this show was better than the Barcelona show. That's if that's a hot take, then call me out on it. It's cool. I'll I'll take all criticisms. But is it going to be better than Berlin? Hell no. Berlin <laughs> is legendary in very many reasons. You know that's a show that just about everybody knows, but, uh, an eight and a half, you know, I, I, it's up there. It's up there. I, I, I enjoyed myself listening to it and I enjoyed the show listening to it. Hey, another around the world episode in the books and Wednesday is going to be hard for 2008. We're going to have J. J I said it again. Dave, Dave Dantausch. I'm just going to call him Jay for now on. I don't <laughs> – god damn it. Uh, from from Foot Live Steps is going to be on our show. Uh, uh, definitely, if, if you've never looked at Live Footsteps, livefootsteps.org is definitely the place to go. And we're doing a lot of collaborations with them that we'll talk about in next week's Hartford 2008 show. If you're enjoying the show, if you're enjoying what we're doing, uh, you know – head on over to Patreon or just keep listening to the episodes on our regular platforms. We, we love everybody that does. And we love the contributors. We love the social media presence. Everybody gives us. It's very much appreciative. And we implore you to be one of Brandon's followers on social media. Please follow the better band podcast at better band pod or, or listen up Reno or something.com on uh, Twitter Insta, Facebook, you know, you, you, you just look it up. You, you, you just do the stuffs. Just do the stuffs. Yeah. Just do the stuffs. Please. Uh, do you want to give a, <laughs> an official plug for something or? Oh, no, I was just kidding. Uh, no, yeah, just the, the Better Band Pod. You can look for that on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and it'll it'll bring you there. And um, like I said, I'm still looking for guests for to, to, to finish out Vitology and also uh, No Code so I can... Hopefully, start 
get back to releasing episodes every week instead of every other week. All right, but that is it. I uh, thank you so much for doing this on kind of short notice. And I know, uh, you know, not everybody's like me and doesn't have a life and can listen to bootlegs on short notice. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, really appreciate you having you on. You always bring a different uh, a different aspect in from, from the band and, and different ideas. So, uh, and again, you're coming up on no code pretty soon. So this was good to a good little um, refresher for you to kind of get you excited for covering the album. No. Yeah. And you know, listening to these bootlegs sort of whets the appetite for Mm -hmm. new stuff. So this is, this is a good conditioning for everybody to, uh, to get, to get ready for a, uh, a year of Pearl Jam. Let's close out for today and say goodbye. So this may be the end we're here. But not for much longer, and although we may be parting ways, I miss you already, and I miss you always. Thank you, Brandon, once again for coming on the show, and I'm sure if you're on Patreon, we're going to have stuff that was left off the cutting room floor, because Brandon and I can sometimes get on some tangents, and uh, there's definitely going to be some juicy content (laughs) that you can listen to, uh, probably on Thursday or Friday, whenever we can get around to uh, putting out a Devo episode or or live on more legs so again brandon thank thanks for coming on thanks for doing this it's such short notice and uh listen to the better band podcast and we will see you next time smell you later smell you later